position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for... Members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Fixing to start one more trip round the sun. Everybody hoping this ride round be a little more giddy, a little more gay. Yep, all over town, champagne coaches are popping. Over in the wall, all the big shots is dancing to the strings of Guy Lombardo. Down in Times Square, little folks is watching and waiting for that big ball to drop. They're all trying to catch hold of one moment of time to be able to say, right now, this is it. I got it. <laughs> Cause by then it'll be past. But they all happy. Everybody having a good time. Well, almost everybody. There's a few lost souls floating around out there. Now, if y'all ain't from the city, we got something here called the Rat Race. 
got a way of chewing folks up so that they don't want no celebrating, don't want no cheering up, don't care nothing about no New Year's. Out of hope, out of rope, out of time. Well, the future, that's something you can never tell about. But the past, <laughs> that's another story. Episode number 270 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, our fifth or sixth, um, I'm not sure, I think it's our fifth Best Linux Games of the Year, it's our Game of the Year Awards episode, although this year, it's not just Game of the Year, it's Game of the Decade. So we have a whole bunch of lists prepared for you, Crack Engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign. Sante Ivor, Happy New Year to you. This is being reported for you on uh, 2019. Uh, well, uh, uh, December 27th, 2019. So for our sequel friends, 2019, 1227. It's our last episode of the year, my friends. We have three lists for you. Ivor, you're fired. Happy New Year. Mmm. Mmm. We have three lists for you this year. We have our game of the list, game of the year list. Then we have our best links games podcast games of the decade lists. And we split that up into three different sections. The first consists of six in no order de facto games. Um, these were the games that even before I started doing this podcast um, set the table for Linux in my in my mind. Then we have uh, the transformative boilerplate titles. These were games that had major moments that, that represented major moments in which the transition um, from Valve and Steam to being adopters of Linux, these were major moments in that timeline from then to now, so about six years ago, that represent transformative yeah, moments. Um, and those are also kind of in no order. No order. And then we have our game of the decade, top 10, which culminates in so there's 10 games, and there's one game that is our game of the decade. We do have top stories for you before we get to our feature, um, many of which I have forgotten. I've already mentioned that you're fired. We will start with our only act, actually, we only have one top story. Well, two top, two top stories. First is, there's a game called We Happy Few that runs flawlessly on Linux via Proton. I've been trying like a motherfucker to get more time in this game over the last four or five days. I had a house guest for Christmas, and then I had Christmas, etc., etc., etc. I'm sure you can all empathize. That in no way diminishes the fact 
that you all need to go buy We Happy Few. But first, you need to watch the game trailer. It is linked to in our vids of this week. It's our only vid of this week. Um, it's the official game release trailer from last year, but it only just recently started working on Linux. Um, at least according to what I understand from ProtonDB, it works fine on Linux. I've, I've only gotten to spend about an hour in it. The other game that you need to know about is Void Bastards. V-O-I-D-B-A-S-T-A-R-D-S which is a roguelike I'm not even going to tell you anything else about We Happy Few, other than it's like 24 bucks right now, it's like um, it's on huge sale for the Steam Winter Sale, which by the way the Steam Winter Sale continues through January 2nd this year I think, I'm pretty sure it's January 2nd so many of the games that we go through today and we're going to try to get out of here in under an hour which is going to be the shortest end-of-year episode I think we've ever done. Oh, last year's was pretty good. So, we have We Happy Few, and then Void Bastards. You have to go fucking look at the video for the the launch trailer for We Happy Few, and then you have to go buy the fucking game. It's just the bottom line. Because you're Winston Smith, it's dystopian, alternate history, it's counterfactual history of uh, Britain in the 1960s, uh, where everyone's dosed up with psychedelics, so it's like a cross between 1984 and uh, Equilibrium, but with um, oh, and uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You need to go play that. You got it. I mean, you have to go buy it now. You don't have to play it now, but you need to go buy it now. That's all I'm telling you to do. And then we have Void Bastards, which is a a procedurally generated roguelike that's like a mashup between Duskers Faster Than Light, FTL Faster Than Light um with the art style of uh, Borderlands 2, so it's all cel-shaded stuff um I'm forgetting the other game that it reminds me so much of but it doesn't matter that game is awesome, Void Bastards I've spent more time playing Void Bastards because it's a great game you can pick up and play for like an hour or 20 minutes or whatever and then revisit it throughout your day and stuff and since I had a house guest and you know, blah 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 blah. but let us not mince words our game of the year list this year is very much the same way as we've done it every previous year, although every year we do seem to change the rules. This year, um, basically everything stayed the same, more or less. It was slimmer pickings for our game of the year this year than I thought it would be, because many games rule themselves out. Um, and we'll get to that in a moment. And we're going to breeze through that fucking list, because we have literally 60 games that I want to that I want to mention this year. We have six de facto stars of the revolution, and then two, four, six, eight, ten uh, transformative titles. So that's sixteen, and we have eleven of the original game of the years. So that that's ten plus our game of the year. So that's like what twenty seven, and then we have. another 12 for our game of the decade this year we're because it's the end of a decade and we've been around now for 6 years I think, we've been around for at least half of that decade, 
So I feel it's incumbent upon us to inflict that list, all of these lists upon you, and you know, blah. Our Game of the Year and Game of the Decade lists are in strict order. The other two, which will be presented in award show style format, uh, sans music, um, will just be rattled out at you like a fucking maniac screeching at you from your earbuds or your car stereo speakers or your computer speakers, wherever you, uh, our voice may be heard. I have a website. You got something you want to say? Uh, I've always got nothing. Pack your fucking shit, motherfucker. I want you up by the first. Fucking Ivor. All right. So, I will wind you based on with it. Come on, we better get gotta get started somehow. Our feature presentation. Who do you think? Oh my God! It's Millennium. Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooby. Zooey Caroline oh, 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 sorry Ah, yes So Our game of the year list This year, Best Links Games Podcast Is pleased to present The following ten titles and, uh, and we will go through a little bit of an explainer On each one as to why they Ended up at Each position for this list Games of the Decade Hopefully won't be too much more involved First off, at number 10, we have Mordhau. M-O-R-D-H-A-U. Now, the rules for this year were very similar to last year. Had to have been a game that I played this year. Mordhau is lucky that it made the list because Mordhau, while it is one of my favorite games that was released this year, it is basically unplayable due to the racist assholes who have infiltrated it and taken it over. And then beyond that, it is more disgusting by virtue of the fact that the developers seem beholden to these racist assholes and refuse to add any sort of censorship um capabilities to the servers and won't kick people and you know it's just ridiculous blah and so that's why Mordow doesn't get a fucking description this year don't buy it it's there as a historical footnote of what might have been so number nine number nine is session S-E-S-S-I-O-N Session is the best and most complicated skate game that I have played in skater game, it's it's a skateboarding game that I played in my entire life it's insane difficulty level is offset by the fact that it is, is offset by the fact that it's technical challenge is based off of real world skating physics. It is still in early access, that's why it's down here at number 9 and not a game of the year. Um, there are several other games that are in early access that are not, that have been knocked down many positions to prevent them from being game of the year because I can't have the same game of the year one year to the next, and you'll see what I mean by that later on. But Session is fantastic, and it just went through a major update I haven't had enough ch- enough time. I mean, don't push out your fucking major updates the week before fucking Christmas, okay? Just don't. 
Like, fuck you is what I want to say to everybody who does that. It's like, oh, so we were great. I'm not busy enough. Now I have to fucking find time to fucking see what's new in your game. Yeah, so session is number nine. It is the most punishingly difficult uh, skateboarding game that you'll ever play. I promise you that. There's nothing as difficult as session. Once you get good at it, though, once you get even remotely good at it, once you get a modicum of skill, it becomes incredibly rewarding, and evidently, in the latest update, they've added the one feature that I really wanted the most, which is it will show you the name of the trick that you just finished. And they split up the map into two different places, and they're, it looks like they're working on a multiplayer trick mode, but that's all in the future. Number nine is Session for our game of the year. Number eight for our game of the year has to be a game that I played this year. Doesn't necessarily matter if the game was released years earlier, because um, if I hadn't played it years earlier, then it wasn't available for Steam via Proton or anywhere else on Linux prior to this year. And that brings us to the unbelievably awesome uh, VR game Space Pirate Trainer in which you take on akimbo blasters that are multifunctional it's a it's it's not a room scale vr thing you are bolted into place but you have these akimbo blasters each one with independent firing modes as you take on an endless series of drones you dodge you weave your body around the laser blast you pull out your shield from behind you Bam! Shield, impenetrable shield. While you guard against laser blasts on the left or on the right, while you blast the fucking drones with your gun using your offhand, or you can convert both into laser lassos and smash the drones into the ground by, you know, etc., 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 etc. Fantastically fun game, unbelievable. Beat out Pavlov VR. Uh, which I wanted to say was our game of the year, but Pavlov VR does no no longer works on Linux. So, and their developers, Dave Vils, is not really interested in fixing it, in spite of however many protests or requests for details or you know, blah. And there's no team in sight that's going to help us fix that. So, fuck you, Pavlov VR. You are going to be our number one game of the year, but you don't work. So, die in a fire. Sucks I have to say that. Number seven, Rage 2. A free-roaming, post-apocalyptic, pseudo- Mad Max-ish car game with an interesting visual art style. Um tends towards the real tends towards the realistic uh, but with an interesting color palette and a pretty decent fucking story in the final analysis it's short um, lacks multiplayer they came out with a DLC that I've not bought or played but it was one of the more fun rides that I've had this year mm. so that's Rage 2 Speaking of fun rides that I've had this year, a game that I've not been able to play as much as I would like, but which did come out this year, Dirt Rally 2.0, the greatest rally racing game ever made. Um, I played an extensive chunk of the predecessor to this, and I did test this in um, post-release. It does run. Dirt Rally 2.0. 
you got to support quality where you find it, and there's an absolute dearth of fucking rally racing games throughout all of gaming history that uh, strive to achieve the level of simulation of, of, of simulated uh, accuracy, intense competition, multiplayer realism and insanity as Dirt Rally 2.0 the reason why this is not higher up on the list is the fucking speedometer and gear shifting um, stuff there is no heads up display in this game you have to use the in dash stuff which is all very historically realistic however they do that at the penalty of making the game unplayable for certain cars, certain cars and certain car classes that you have to play through in order to unlock more cars so that's why Dirt Rally is at number 6 number 5, right there at the middle of the road is Graveyard Keeper a surprise sleeper hit on my list, I went through every game that we that I played this fucking year and I went through five different lists you know, because I, I came up with a long list that was like, normally my long list is like 60 games, 30 games, 40 games this year it was only like 35 games that were really, really really good that stuck in my memory um, Graveyard Keeper was one of them it is at number 5 because it has one of the worst endings of any game I've played in recent memory, however the journey to that terrible fucking ending. I mean, you want to talk about the game just stopping. It's like almost like Half-Life 2, but nothing is as bad as Half-Life 2, so don't worry about that. It's better than Half-Life 2. Um, but everything you do in between is really, it's the journey, is the destination in Graveyard Keeper, even though the ending makes no fucking sense and it, the game just stops and it's just like, okay, great, fuck you big rusty clang in the back of your mind like, ah, god, why did you do this to me? Um, but no fuck yous to the developers of Graveyard Keeper. Graveyard Keeper is a fucking fantastic game. You die in the present day and are taken to a bizarre alternate history of pseudo-feudal Europe in another world with, where witchcraft and magic exists and the dead can rise and you must manage the graveyard that's it it's one of the more fun simulation games that I've played in a long time and one with darker humor than most if only the ending had held up mm. number four see I told you we're going fast this year we're going fast because we have three more lists to get through Number four is The Forest, which came to Linux this year. At least for my experience, The Forest came to Linux this year. Um, The Forest is amazing. I have not beaten it yet, but I have logged a lot of hours in it, and it is tremendously fun. It's great with other people. It's better with other people than it is with yourself alone. Although with yourself alone, once you get the hang of shit... Uh, and once you read a couple of facts and stuff, try to stay clear of the spoilers. That's what I've done so far. And master some of the tools, the techniques, technologies, the strategies, the tactics, and uh, avail yourself of some of the beneficial maps that are available online. The Forest is an incredible adventure. It is not as good as Minecraft. It's not as good as the original Ark. 
I, I would say it's better than the original arc, Survival Evolved, because it, it, it's a survival situation the likes of which I've never played before. And it's a little scary. It's a lot scary, actually. In fact, it's an experiment in terror until you learn how to handle your fear and learn about the opposition. Uh, see previous episodes where we've talked about it and reviewed it. The Forest is number four. Number three is Devil May Cry 5. Devil May Cry 5 climbed up this list this high because I love the franchise, first of all. But Devil May Cry 5 is the first fully fucking functional day one. It came out on every system. Day one. Yeah, it was the first game that really uh, underscored the use of the uh, MF uh, install, the Media Foundation uh, install stuff. Although I didn't, I had to come up with my own script. I had to write my own scripts for it. Um, that and Ruiner. Now you can easily use the MF install from GitHub see previous episodes if you have no idea what I'm talking about to make Devil May Cry 5 run perfectly with all of the cutscenes and stuff Devil May Cry 5 which I've beaten several times and has uh, integrated multiplayer elements that are obtuse and superfluous but they are there, they're a nice little show of um, token show of esteem (coughs) Devil May Cry 5 is one of the most beautiful games that I've played this year. <coughs> Sorry, the weather out here has been terrible. I've been getting a little bit of a cold, little upper respiratory infection. Um, and it's one of those games that if you really want to show your friends, oh yeah, Proton can game, you can game on Linux, you want to blow their fucking nuts off out their eyeballs, show them Devil May Cry 5. I especially love it when you get the Michael Jackson hat. I'm not a big fan of Michael Jackson, but it's so great. And the the tools, techniques, and all the characters even, I love the characters even in Devil May Cry 5. Um, It's no Bayonetta, but it is Devil May Cry 5, and it was fantastic. I beat it several times. Up next, number two. So we are coming to, we have two more games, and then we have our game of the year for Linux. Number two is My Friend Pedro. My friend Pedro, which I have not been able to play since their update, um, but I fucking beat that game. I've beaten that game at least 15 times now. Sometimes I would speedrun it on the live stream, like most of those live streams are probably expiring soon, but uh, they do exist. My friend Pedro is a side-scrolling platformer <laughs> likes of which you've never seen. Imagine if a side-scrolling platformer had been made with the sense and sensibilities of Max Payne. So we're talking akimbo weapons at all times, almost at all times. Um, and with the added benefit of these akimbo weapons in a two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer that allows you to wall jump Ninja Gaiden style that has severe profound uh, time trial, speed running, leaderboard, and score implications to every move that you make. Um, imagine if you were able to control in a two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer, quote-unquote platformer, because the locations are relatively realistic and it's presented in a relatively realistic fashion. If you're able to control both of your hands independently of each other, while doing other things. Like, for instance, flipping upside down to wrap a rope 
around one of your ankles so that you can now aim downward so you are now upside down hanging by a rope wrapped around your ankle as you target lock on with your left pistol and then independently still aim with your right shooting both of those guys in the head then letting go of that rope and as you fall spinning and twisting and shooting the next two guys on your right and on your left in the head it is a fantastic game it's Devolver Digital who I tweeted at published by Devolver Digital who I tweeted at today they said what do you ungrateful bastards want for from us in the new year and I, and I said in all caps stop making such fucking crappy games you fuckers games like Chris and fucking my friend Pedro and I just listened to basically all their greatest hits from the last like two years and said you know these are all just to be fucking unstoppable fire all time classics you pieces of shit make good games next year which I hope they took in the spirit of jest in which it was meant my friend Pedro is one of my favorite games of this year it is short now our number one which is not our game of the year our game of the year is one after ten our number one game of the year though is Nova Drift and the reason why Nova Drift isn't game of the year is simply because it's still in early access and I'm sure that when it's out of early access which I hope will be next year and in official release you can look forward to it probably being our game of the year because I've logged almost 350 hours in Nova Drift, which I got on January uh, on July 15th of this fucking year in early access. That is July, okay, so half of July, so August, September, October, November, December. That's five and a half months. I have logged over 330 hours in this game. For those of you who have never heard this podcast before, Nova Drift is a top-down space shooter that combines, it's heavily skill-based, combines all the great aspects of skill-based arcade games from the 1980s, like Asteroids and Tempest, with um, a roguelike mechanic where every run you have innumerable modifications that you can install on your ship and every single one of them is important and the sequence in which you install them is important and the strategizing of what you pick for when is as important but all of this fades away because until you spend a lot of hours in the game you ain't even gonna get to level 100 say nothing to level 200 which I've gone to never beat it but I gotta do it many props go out to our friend of the show Disfor. they've master of the house, lead developer and only developer, Jeffrey Nielsen from Chimeric Games um, has really with every subsequent update outdone himself uh, adding new features rebalancing and he's incredibly responsive to the overall community at large makes it not our game of the year unfortunately because it's still in early access, maybe next year Hopefully it won't get buried by whatever the fuck happens next year. But that's Nova Drift. It's possible. It's probably like in an objective universe. It is my favorite game of this year. 
And then finally, Best Linux Games Podcast presents our Game of the Year for 2019. That would be Sekiro. Sekiro. Shadows Day Twice. Um, from software's amazingly difficult, unbelievably deceptive ninja romp that has more in common with Super Metroid than it does with Ninja Gaiden, although it feels like Ninja Gaiden at some points. It's a stealth game, it is an upgrade game, it's a story-based game, and has one of the greatest boss fights that I've ever experienced in my entire life, where I spent over fucking 15 hours on one boss fight over the course of a week. And it wasn't that it took, it was so hard. I'm not a big fan of so hard. I love great games. And I love great games if they're challenging too. But I have to enjoy myself. And this boss fight that took me a week, and I thought it was going to be the end of the game. It's only in the middle of the game. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm spoiler free here, friends and neighbors. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice has this boss fight that is really the final tutorial for how to play the rest of the game. And it took me five days to beat that tutorial. And the rest of the game goes on. It is devious, malevolent, it fucks with you in ways that you will just be furious. Explore every path. Take every angle you can. Literally, explore every area at every angle that you can. Um... And then there's some severe strategies involved. Some of the biggest set pieces, some of the biggest bosses. Not just biggest in terms of size, but I mean, like, biggest in terms of, like, oh my god, this is so fucking unbelievably difficult. And this guy is just really here to kill me. It's just like, ah, I can't do anything. I'm dead. If you get Sekiro this year, which is, I think it's on the Steam Store sale, Please avail yourself of the following three pieces of non-plot specific, spoiler-free advice. One, master the Makiri counter. That's the first thing. It's the first choke point. I spent three hours on that guy. Over the course of two days, I just kept dying and dying and dying and dying. Master the Makiri counter. Once you get the Makiri counter mastered, then you will be a-okay. The rest of the game will kind of breeze by. If you have any other problems with any other bosses, and I did, be sure there are many excellent online game facts for Sekiro that are spoiler-free, that literally address specific bosses and tell you exactly the approach you need to take after you've gone killed like, you know, five, ten times at a boss avail yourself of those and then finally the third thing is always look for another way there's almost always another path that you have just missed and these other paths they are not enormous things they are small things they are I'll give you an early one uh, I'm not going to tell you where this is but there's a ledge It's it's a, it's an invisible ledge almost and it's in the first hour and a half of gameplay there's a ledge jump down that ledge and that's the rest of the game I'm not kidding like it's a son of a bitch 
but it is a masterwork. And then also, I never, other reason why Sekiro is number one, I have never seen or done things like I've done in Sekiro. Like, we're talking castles above the clouds, fighting acrobatic ninja monkey people who are like ninja monkey people who are like attacking you with these very specific patterns in groups so you have to like fucking keep in your head you know blah 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 and then you have to escape and you're grappling hooking away and it's got grappling hooks and they're fantastic and the stealth elements which may seem at first like they are tacked on are not at all tacked on fifth biggest tip learn how to clear the village in under 15 minutes and keep doing that and build up your stats and stuff and then you know blah I have not beaten Sekiro I'm at the end I'm pretty sure I'm at the very end but uh, I have not beaten it yet it is our Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is Best Links Games Podcast Game of the Year for 2019 now we have a series of honorable mentions including Pavlov VR, fuck you Dave Vils, and everyone else from Pavlov VR, you guys will not fix your game, you updated it November 4th and broke it for every Linux user and for many other users as well um fuck you, you obviously do not care about us and it's really bothersome when I go into a discord specifically for the bug area and I get absolutely fucking fuck you play Windows play it on Windows, well fuck you you don't get game of the year suck my dick, Batman Arkham City however, runs great via Proton, uh, finally um, as one one of the best games in the Batman uh, franchise history uh, it's my personal favorite and I had a great time around Thanksgiving playing it when it was released um, or what when it went on sale and I could finally, you know, get back to it. So Batman Arkham City is up there. Batman Arkham Origins, which is like the sequel, it's a prequel to Arkham City. Also runs great, but I didn't like that game as much. I like the Poison Ivy aspects of it and the Catwoman aspects of it and everything else that's in Batman Arkham City. Then Bloodstained uh, Ritual of the Night which for fans of Castlevania Symphony of the Night is superb and it runs great in spite of a early uh, difficulty uh, what do you call it? Plague, the, er, the initial release of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night ROTN was um, plagued with profound difficulties via Proton and stuff for Linux users but it runs great now and you should play it if you like Castlevania Symphony of the Night it's as close as you're going to get to Castlevania Symphony of the Night without um without an emulator and finally Mortal Kombat uh XL, so 11 um, although this doesn't make any sense, but anyway Mortal Kombat XL which has great online play and it's Mortal Kombat and it's like one of the it's for my money it might be the best Mortal Kombat that they've ever made but I have not gotten to play the, the sequels that have come out subsequently and I missed a bunch of the games in between but it will take you straight back if you are as old as dirt like I am and love the Mortal Kombat franchise it will be refreshing to be taken back to a two dimensional pseudo two dimensional side scrolling uh, straight up fighter 
that uh, is simple enough for anyone to pick up and play has huge amounts of characters and then is deep enough to actually start to learn the tactics and strategies necessary to defeat each character and has endless endless um, game modes including a story mode that is actually a full motion video that goes seamlessly from one point to the next interweaving all of the characters with in-game base cinematics that are just incredible to see um, so there you go those are honorable mentions now Best Links Games Podcast presents what's that Ivor? oh more whiskey our games of the decade these are a number uh, we'll start with our de facto titles that started the revolution and no we're not going to do another jokey segment like we did that one year about NetHack and uh, Tux Racer no while those games are indubitably well indisputably that's the word I'm looking for important to the history and development of, of gaming on Linux um, I want to talk about some other games. Blah. The first game that I want to mention is Minecraft, even though it's not available on Steam or whatever. I was running a major server for Minecraft for a number of years when my father was ill and then eventually died. Missy Pops. IHCI has the craft. Um, 3,000 slots long before it was even fucking fashionable. Um, I was running it off of a Linux machine. Uh, and I, I was hosting it off of a Linux machine too. It was 24-7. 365, we kept it running for a bunch of years. Came too expensive though. Minecraft really was the shape of things to come. And no one's really ever fucking got made a better game than Minecraft in my humble opinion. Except for what we did with IHC. I made a better game than Minecraft with IHC. But that's a different story altogether. Um, next is a game that I very am very re- reticent to even give any credit for, but it was the single game that when I saw on uh, Linux Action Show, I think it was, Chris Fisher was playing it via Steam. I said, okay, that's it. I have to... That's it. CSGO. I will not bore you with my history with Counter-Strike. I will tell you this, I was playing Counter-Strike before September 11, 2001 and I'll tell you this on the CLQ um, for a number of years I was ranked in the top 100 for a number of weeks I was ranked in the top 3 players in the world um, and I think that CSGO has been instrumental just like everything else in terms of you know the charmed life that Valve and Steam have led it was Valve that re- that bought fucking the mod that was Counter-Strike it wasn't Counter-Strike Source, it was just Counter-Strike, it was a mod um, they bought it and they turned it into what it is today, which is a piece of shit but that does not matter this is Games of the Decade so anyway, my personal feelings aside CSGO has been instrumental in just initially demonstrating to everyone that yeah, you can game on Linux 
and you can do it via Steam, you can do it via a familiar platform. This was an instrumental moment in the history of the development of Linux gaming, yeah, the modern development of Linux gaming, you know, the type that we've covered. The same type that inspired us to start this podcast about six years ago. So, same on the same page, Team Fortress uh, 2, I mean, done. Like, that's that's all I have to say. And then we have three other de facto uh, starters of the revolution. These guys are boilerplate. They embody both the uh, elements um, they embody both the elements of the Steam and Valve era of Linux gaming along with the fundamental Linux-like approach to software development, which is entirely, and I will say this without pause hesitation and no qualification, they are entirely antithetical to the Stallman-esque um, tenets of what makes Linux great. You know, free as in freedom, not free as in beer. Well, you can't really do that with games, because these are entertainment programs. Uh, the idea of free as in freedom, not free as in beer extends to logic applications, business applications, um, fundamental applications in terms of your operating system, that you have control over your operating system, that you have control and ownership over the code that you run. Um, doesn't mean that it's free. I mean, I pay... I love paying for free and open source software. Um, but that's not going to happen for games. There will always be a paywall for games because they're games. And especially if you want to play games, and I've this is like a quick distillation of everything I've said over the last six years. If you want to play games that your friends are playing with your friends, you need a platform that can compete with every, you know, for market share with everybody else. And that wrote, that's where Steam and Valve have come in and they've done magnificent stuff. But having been said, uh, there's been Endless Sky which is completely free. You can get it on Steam. It still is completely free, and they're still I think they're still adding shit to it. It is privateer in a top-down universe. It's one of the best games that I've played in the last 10 years. Um, I've never beaten it. Um, but it's fantastic, and it's totally free, and you can play it, you know, blah, via Steam. Then there's Distance, which is not completely free at all. But Distance, which is still in early access, I want to say, uh, unless they hit 1.0 this year, I can't remember. Distance is one of the most insane community-driven and longest-lived. I mean, it was in early access development like when I started the podcast. Distance is like F-Zero with flying cars. It is just fucking madness. Level editor, all built in. It's fantastic. <gasps> Last time I checked in with Distance was last year. One of my favorite projects. I can't remember how much it costs. Ivor, how much does Distance cost these days? He shrugged. You're fired, Ivor! Happy New Year! And then, another one of our de facto Starters of the Revolution titles, um, because then we have to get to our transformative titles, uh, has to be Divinity Original Sin and Pillars of Eternity because those are two crowdsourced basically games, crowdfunded games that embody everything that you can do with a lot of eyeballs on 
your game. Now, Pillars of Eternity became increasingly expensive and the sequel, etc., etc., etc. Divinity Original Sin, though, is just I mean, it is a game that you can get lost in. Eat twice as much with the sequel. So those are our those are our de facto starters for the revolution. And what do I mean by the revolution? I mean the moment that we are currently living in, where realistically Linux gamers are now first class citizens. For the most part. There's some aspects, there's some edge cases, some titles, some publishers, some developers, some paywalled people, some uh, netcode people, like, you know, I'm not going to name any names, because it is not a time to recriminate and be pissed off at, at everybody. We'll hope that they all do better next year in 2020. Um, but this is a revolution. The revolution's over. I mean, the revolution's never over, over, but I mean, what we've seen this year is like the fruition of everything that we've wanted. And by the way, there are none of these games, there will be no notes for this episode. Because this year, you're going to have to listen to this fucking episode to be able to fucking, you know, blast. And none of these games are listed at all. Anywhere. Not on our website, not in the show blurb. Nothing. So now, we get to our transformative titles. These games represent momentous pivot points in the history of Linux gaming on Steam where each one of them, these are also in no particular order. I should have put them in chronological order, but it does not matter because each one of these, if you've been gaming on Linux for as long as you know, I'm sure that most of our listeners have, then you will instantly recognize why each one of these has their own separate moment and their own separate place and it's a timeless place um, in the, the history in this long and evolving history it's long now it's ha- over half a decade it's amazing, so here we go so first in our transformative um, these are in no particular order so I shouldn't say first but okay, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor if you've not played this game this is not the sequel Middle Earth Shadow of War this is Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor um, it was an entirely unique game, but it was the first I mean, this was a huge game when it was released, and it still is a great game to play. I know that Jeff Jeffy Wise still occasionally plays it. Um, and I would actually like, if I have more time, to go back and revisit it. I, I beat it. Um, but the entire structure and everything of the game was fantastic and unique. It's one of those rare titles that is both like, you know, the major league big budget titles that is also completely worthy of being a major league big budget title with the marketing campaign and promo campaign and everything behind it. Um, It was just such a moment when I realized that I was playing this on Linux. That's kind of like, you could use that as the refrain for every one of these titles. When I realized I was playing this on Linux, like when I'm cleaning windows, um, one of the earliest games on Steam of this decade that is like the transformative, you know, decade of gaming on Linux. Uh, Ark Survival Evolved. So Minecraft with dinosaurs, with multiplayer, etc. One of the reasons why we don't still run our server is one that is very, very difficult to run a server 
Actually, the only reason is that it was very, very difficult to run a server because there was no basic logging functionality in Arc when it was released. Um, so there was no way to do permissions handling or modifications on it the same way that you could do with Minecraft. And it it was resource intensive uh, to run even like an eight slot server, um, you know, blah. So, but it was a fucking humongous moment, you know. Uh, and I played it online, I played it offline, I played it here, there, and everywhere. And Minecraft with dinosaurs was fucking rad. That's Ark Survival Evolved. Next, Seven Days to Die, a game that I logged over 1800 hours in, I want to say, in under one year. Um, our, uh, Seven Days to Die is no longer um, a viable game. I don't recommend that you play it because the developers uh, who had an early Kickstarter bounce... By the way, speaking about early Kickstarter bounce, Ark was the first game to make a million dollars in their Kickstarter offering and then just keeps paying it back. They just keep paying it back. They keep making newer and better shit in my humble opinion, most of which runs on Linux, although I haven't revisited it in a while, but the first game was a moment, the likes of which you know, blew my mind 7 Days to Die also made a million dollars from Kickstarter and stuff like that they refuse to let this game die which is a bad thing, they need to move on to the next game, they need to take what they have learned from how to make this because when I stop playing it, you need and you need a good server. I mean, you need to find a good server. You don't need to run one. You need to find someone running a good server for seven days to die. And when they shut down, it's very sad, just like everything else. Um, but seven days to die has to be on this list because it was even beyond Linux gaming. It was a transformative moment for me in terms of gaming to- in Toto. Then we have Dying Light the world's first zombie parkour fucking multiplayer game where you could have up to four people then they they keep adding modes to this game as well although uh, Dying Light is way prettier than Seven Days to Die um Seven Days to Die has you know procedurally generated geography that they finally got it tuned perfectly so that it can churn out cities but there's no way to save the... Anyway. So, Dying Light is kind of the high-polished version of Seven Days to Die. Dying Light was one of the very first games that I remember uh, showing to Jeff Jeffy Wise running on my Linux machine and he could not fucking believe it. It was an amazing game. It still is an amazing game. I finally beat it about three months ago, two months ago. Uh, yeah, two months ago. Um after uh, running back into uh, Jesse Smigel at uh, Jojo Kimon Kendall's wedding. Um, next, Payday 2. Payday 2, which I did a whole fucking episode of this show on why Payday 2 is better than Counter-Strike Go, which is true. Payday 2, fucking pick a heist jump in with a bunch of your friends I'm always Abraham Lincoln with dollar signs printed on my face Grand Theft Auto 5 online up next 
Unfortunately, this game no longer runs on Linux because of Rockstar's uh, new loader that they implemented, which makes no fucking sense to me, and they just do not fucking care. But when Grand Theft 5 Auto Online ran on Linux for, like, I guess a year-ish, nine months, a year-ish, it was spectacular. And it was one of those things that you, you know, you show to your friends. Like, oh, you don't want to, you know, blah. Then going back to the very origins, origins, not oranges, as our erstwhile president would say. I wish you were erstwhile. Our our ostensible, our interregnum president, I don't know, (laughs) would say. uh, Going back to the very earliest days, one of the first games that we ever bought uh, for Steam to play on Linux was Beat Hazard, which start, which for us, which for me, spawned the entire Radio Control Room project, um, and which just experienced this, which just released a sequel finally this year, which unfortunately I can't live stream because I use my own music in the game. Um, but it was a procedurally generated game that was a top-down shooter uh, that used that did an analysis of the tracks that you want to play, and that made the entire level. My favorite games, my favorite tracks to play in Beat Hazard were live internet radio, which is what the RCR project was. But if I had to pick one single fucking thing that I really love to play, I loved the first movement of Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony and the last movement of Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony. Last movement of which Beat Hazard doesn't even know what the fuck to do with. Um, and then any pop tune that you want, you know, anything that you love to listen to, you could just load it up and then just fucking rock that track and get really good at the game. And the more intense it got, the better you, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then, Guns of Icarus Online, one of the most amazing games I've ever played in my life. You and your friends, now this sounds commonplace now, but at the time, no other game had anything like this. You and your friends online, on Linux or otherwise, staff and command and crew dirigible based airships. So there's a captain, there's an engineer, there are people on every gun, there are people running repairs, there's a navigator, I can't remember if there's a navigator or not, but I'm pretty sure there was a navigator, a spotter, or something like that, and you fight against other fucking dirigible air crews in full 3D, you know, um, unfucking believable Then we're going way, way back here. Interstellar Marines, a game that I keep meaning to check back in on. I saw that they pushed out an update just this last month, but it's been six years and I think that project needs to die. However, that game was the first game that was so disturbingly realistic from a first-person perspective that it gave me eye strain. Like, I, I, I could not handle how intense that game was in multiplayer um, and it was fantastic stealth based, tactical based far flung future interstellar marines second game ever to have that I can recall the um, Metroid Prime style drops of water on your heads up display because you're wearing a actually a full face covered mask, it was awesome and then finally, in our 
uh, transformative games was the entire X-Plane franchise, starting with X-Plane, uh, I want to say X-Plane 10, but it might have been X-Plane 9, because now we're on X-Plane 11, which is the game that taught me how to fly helicopters. So there you go. Now, the moment that you've all been waiting for, I know, Ivor, I know, we're at an hour as it is, but we've named a lot of fucking games. By the way, best thing about X-Plane, the X-Plane franchise, is once you get really good at your Garmin and you, you know, you buy a Belfort 7 or whatever, you buy your favorite type of helicopter and you get your CH Products Pro pedals and your Warthog, your uh, Thrustmaster Warthog, hot assault setup, and you got it all mapped and everything, and you, you go to um, flightplanner.com or, I, oh wait, no, shit. That's not the name of the website. I used three different websites. I can't remember. But you set up your flight plan from here in Las Vegas. Oh, and you make your own scenery from here, from all of Nevada and all of Arizona, um, which takes like three days to render. You do that with the satellite imagery and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all using freeware programs. But then you buy like a couple of good aircraft that you really like to fly, like the F-18 um, or in my case I, I really like flying helicopters and you fucking punch out a flight plan and you load that flight plan in game into your Garmin and then you fly it and you fly it with realistic uh, uh, weather conditions that are like right now real life I mean it is unbelievable my favorite flight that I used to do all the time when I was learning how to fly helicopters was from here to GCN, Grand Canyon Canyon National Airport, which is just like a fucking weather strip um, right by Grand Canyon, and I would fly through the, you know I'd go up to, it took me up to Hoover Dam it was like a straight up tourist flight from Las Vegas, where I live to the Grand Canyon, and then through the Grand Canyon a little bit then up to GCN to refuel, and then back to, uh McCarran. Um, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it at all. Uh, nothing. Nothing like it at all. And uh, it, it was... It's the most fun on Earth. I, I, it's it's way up there. It's really fun. There was one time where I, I realized that we were running out of fuel and we were above our GPS waypoint but I'd been flying it on this is like three years ago been flying this same flight path we were at GCN, we were above the the runway but the visibility is like zero because it was snowing all over the west coast that day at that time and so I had to use the vertical um vertical uh Oh God! It's not VOR. It's the 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 rate of descent and climb indicator, the vertical rate of descent and climb indicator, to do an instrument landing in a fucking helicopter. We're ta- we're not talking pea soup. We're talking fucking. You could not see anything out of the windscreen until like thirty meters before you hit the ground. It was fucking nuts, and we landed. But before that, I was like, "All right, we're running out of fuel, and uh, we're here." Get out! It was what I would have said to my passengers. <laughs> Time to bail. <laughs> I I don't hold out much hope for those uh poor seven seven people uh who were just lost. I I assume that they're lost out in Hawaii, but 
Anyway, I didn't mean to make light of that. But anyway, so... X-Plane really changed my life. You get yourself a fucking... For, for a song. For a song. Like, for 200 bucks, you can get yourself a decent Hotta system with some good pedals. CH Products Pro pedals, they're not that great as, uh... As, uh... What's his face? Oh, God. Aviator, buddy. Not, um... Not Eric Eichmeier, uh, but, uh... Casimiras. Casimiras, who knows how to, you know, blah, blah. It's it, they feel cheap, yeah, but they're like 80 bucks, and they will get you start. I mean, you can fucking kit out a normal computer as like a really good flight simulator, like, I mean, a really, really good flight simulator for, you know, 300 bucks. That's like, you know, pedals, hottest, speakers, blowjobs, in-flight blowjobs, etc, 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 etc um fantastic really changed my life and they, so from there I got the o- a- uh, a- o- AOPA newsletter and I bought all of the FAA fucking Rotocraft I got two different editions of that book um, got the FAA uh, instrument flying book you can use all of them in the game it's amazing and then you can also just fucking get like an F-18 or whatever you can buy one for like you know 20 bucks off of the store and those are fucking fun to fly they're crazy but they're fun to fly I've landed a couple one of my favorite things to do in that in X-Plane, I, I know I'm taking too much time on X-Plane, but it's like, because it's multi-years, it's, multi, it's multiple generations of X-Plane that we're covering here. One of my favorite things to do is to punch up carrier landings with a helicopter. My favorite helicopter on Earth to fly is a fucking Apache. But there is no official Apache, you know, version of that, because it's still classified technically and stuff. But they have a really good free model of the Apache. But then you can land a Sikorsky or a 407 or, you know, Bell 407 or whatever you want. Carrier landings are fucking hard and they are so much fun! <laughs> Even better are the ones on boats. You just punch one up and see how... Test your skills. Then add some crosswinds. You know, it's like amazing. It's so cool. Uh, or if you, or if you're the opposite way, I, I can't stand flying uh, jets... Or, um, I'd rather fly prop on plane, because then at least I have fuel management to consider. Um, but you can do that, too. And you can do it with real GPS coordinates and real everything. Real, actual fucking shit. Really cool. An amazing benefit for me. Another game, one last thing in terms of most transformative, Universe Sandbox 2, or Squared, Pending. Unbelievable. I want to see what happens if we. Add another moon around the sun. What happens to our. To, to gravity here on Earth? You know, blah. And that game keeps getting better and better and better and better and better. And I love the tutorials and lessons in that game. You want to talk about something that really expands your mind? Um. Just the time scales in that game are just phenomenal. Like, I want to see what happens. Uh, 
if the sun explodes in a hundred years and then I want to see what happens to our solar system it's, you know, it's amazing shit shit that you would never be able to do without Steam on Linux also, in honorable mentions this is not a game, this is not available on Steam, it is entirely freeware I have to say, Zeos X-A-O-S that's all I'm going to say go download sudo app get if you're on uh, or pacman, you know, hyphen S Zeos X-A-O-S it's not a game so, that brings us to our Games of the Decade. Best Links Games Podcast is proud to present It's Games of the Decade from Here to Eternity 2020 edition. 2019 to 2020. Number 10 is Freedom Planet. If you like Sonic the Hedgehog, which I, you know, I liked Sonic the Hedgehog quite a bit. I played it a lot. I was a kid. You know, it was during... I make this joke all the time. You know, it's the Lincoln administration, you know. Soviets were breathing down our necks, actually. It was the Carter administration. But I was a little kid and I loved Sonic the Hedgehog, but I didn't really love Sonic the Hedgehog. I didn't really like anything as a kid. I hated the entire world. I still do. But I made space in my heart for Sonic. Well, Freedom Planet is better than Sonic the Hedgehog in every way. And yet it evinces the same design sensibilities. You have these faux pseudo 3D running loop-de-loops and stuff. Although it does give you seven fucking characters that are playable and you unlock them and each time you play the game it's different with each of those characters. Um, and there's unending challenges. They are still working on the sequel. Freedom Planet is number 10. It is one of the best side-scrolling platformers ever made ever made for any system, ever. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And it has a weird kind of veiled this is, this is Freedom Planet is an older game. It goes back like five years. It has some veiled references to every character being somewhat bisexual. There's a lot of bisexuality in that game, which is really cool. Uh, I'm I go one way, baby, but I was gonna say straight to the ass. No, mm. I'm in the chicks, straight up heterosexual guy. But I think it's really cool that it, and it's not pronounced. It's not like you know, like there's chicks. It's not like there's like dudes kissing or chicks kissing or you know whatever. It's a game. It's a game for kids made by adults who knew that if they made the game right, that adults would want to play it even more than the kids. So you can fight with your children this new year over Freedom Planet. Number nine is a game that I cannot describe to you. It's called Factorio. F-A-C-T-O-R-I-O. It's one of our games of the decade. I've never played a sim game, you know, like Sim City, Sim, you know, blah anything like Factorio. Factorio is about optimization. It's about far-flung futuristic technology and optimization of supply chain processes, of acquiring resources, refining them, transporting them, refining them again, 
and then retooling your supply lines while also uh, with a uh, a medium level of defensive weapon capabilities, automated turrets, etc. The tech tree is unbelievable. You will lose weeks of your life in Factorio. It's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. Number eight, speaking of Factorio, is City Skylines. City Skylines is everything that you loved about Sim City as a kid, if you were a kid during the Jurassic era. Mm. But streamlined, ripped down, made super pretty. Like, super pretty. The graphics in the game are unbelievable. Away, like light years ahead. Fucking, oh my god. Extra, extra solar in their fucking, in how far ahead of SimCity they were. How far ahead of SimCity they are. Realistic day and nighttime cycles. Um, but it's so streamlined. It's so much easier to do. You have to really plan your city though. It's great. You have to plan the sewage. What type of energy requirements does the city have? Um, Your traffic. Your mass transit gets particularly interesting when you start adding subways and just ripping up city blocks. I've gone from a fucking nothing place to a fucking metropolis. Um, Not many of the DLCs are that good, but City Skylines, the base game, is one of the most incredible games I've ever seen. And you get a live tweet stream from your citizens about problems that they're facing, which is so great, because it happens like in the... You can lose hundreds of hours in City Skylines. It's one of those games that I keep wanting to play more of. Up next, so that was what? Number... uh, Number 8 was City Skylines. Then we have... Mark of the Ninja. Mark of the Ninja is the first and only game that I know of that is a two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer that gives you the full depth and breadth of a real ninja stealth experience going up against the entirety of technological advancements the modern world can throw at you. In terms of security, surveillance, weaponry, guards, etc. And you will get so good at Mark of the Ninja that you will be able to do things that are unthinkably impossible. Like, I'm right behind you, and then you jump over the guy, and you... (sighs) turns around, and you are... 10 meters away in the rafters. And his that draws his buddies to him. And then all the different ways that you can fucking terrorize the guards in that game are so great. Like, oh, just hit him with Asumi terror darts and ah! hang one of their friends on a fucking rafter and they will fucking freak out and shoot everybody. They will kill all of their friends. Unbelievable game. The story is spectacular. It's one of the earliest games. Um, but it, it it is it is 
indescribably good. So that's number seven, Mark of the Ninja. And the story is really good, too. The, um, the remastered edition has an extra mode that I don't really like. But as you unlock tools and techniques and, and strive for the perfect silent runs, it is just so good. It is so good. And it's, 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 for me, it's the exact sweet spot of, um, between a game that's so difficult that you could never possibly complete it on Silent Assassin level, like uh, Hitman Silent Assassin, which I did complete every fucking mission in that game on Silent Assassin. It took three years, but I did it. Mm. Between that level of commitment and then just like absolute I love it when shit goes sideways, kill everybody, fucking Ninja Gaiden style action. Mark of the Ninja, fantastic. Weighs in at number seven. Number six is No Man's Sky. The reason why No Man's Sky is at number six instead of at number one is that they fucked over everyone who wanted this game to come out. I'm not going to go through this again. I've said this now four times on the podcast. Go back and listen to any episode where I talk about No Man's Sky. Mo- good, good tell is if the words No Man's Sky are in the episode title. Chances are you'll hear a lot about No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky continues to evolve, which is unfortunate because it evolves at the same price. And I have the terrible sinking feeling that for all the work, all the King's Horses and all the King's Men, no one is ever going to trust these fuckers again because they still want 60 bucks for a game that 100,000 people reviewed as terrible. Because it was. But it's not. It's not anymore, and it wasn't when I got to it, and that is just the way the cookie crumbles. There is nothing available in the world for the average human being that is like No Man's Sky. Um, I've been it multiple times. It's fantastic, and it's even better in VR. Um, yeah, so that's No Man's Sky. That's at number six. Uh, I think. Shit. Uh oh, something happened here. I, I'm sorry if I fucked up the numbers, but anyway, next up is right there at the middle. And it's almost unfair to put it here, but Duskers is number five. Duskers is number five. Uh, Duskers, you're talking to, you're listening to a guy who is a programmer. There's nothing on the face of the planet that I hate more than games that are about typing or programming. I do enough of that on a daily basis. For reals, I do enough of that on a daily basis. However, as I told to David Guida of, uh, whatever, on Twitter, I implore you to play Duskers. Even as a programmer, there is nothing, there's no game that is better made than Duskers. Um, Misfits Attic really did something fantastic with this game, even though even though the virtual terminal and command line interface inside of Duskers is does not respond to Linux-based uh, 
syntax or etc. And even though I hate games about programming, I became the greatest Duskers player in the fa- on the face of the planet. And I'm I'm not joking. I am the greatest. Or I was the greatest. I haven't played it in a while. But Duskers was a turning point for me, for what could be done with the medium of the video game, is Extreme Terror. Go back and listen to my full review of Duskers. I think it's episode 100 and something somewhere. I don't know. I have no idea. If you want to know more about Duskers, go back and listen to that. Don't listen to me now, because we got We got We have 10 minutes left to get through the, ra- through the rest of these. Um... Number four is Dead Cells. Dead Cells, which I finally beat about uh, six weeks ago after their most recent update. And they continue to update it. It's out of early access. Dead Cells is the ultimate wet dream of everyone who wanted to have Castlevania Symphony of the Night crossed with legitimate, I hate the word, Metroidvania with a roguelike. So, you have an infinitely procedurally generated castle. You have weapons and upgrades that you get to keep the upgrades to between runs. But you don't get to select your weapons at the start of every run. You find the weapons that you find, and there are, are I'd say there are about 80 different weapons, skills and tools and shit. Um, I have a huge menagerie. I need you to sing the song with me, though. I am Dungeon Scum. That is all I really am. Yeah, I am Dungeon Scum. That is all I really am. Yeah, I... Etc. As long as you sing that, I continue to live. Look to the live stream, etc. For that, if you like side-scrolling platformers, if you like Castlevania Symphony of the Night and always thought that it would be better as a procedurally generated roguelike of unbelievable difficulty with multiple paths, multiple tools, techniques, and so many weapons. You can have two weapons at any given time with (laughs) with (laughs) skills on top of that. All of which interrelate and then upgrades on top of that that only last per run. It's really learning all the enemies in the world and every fucking tactical situation that you can be in and curses and, oh, I've been a very bad box and the incomplete one, which is now called the concierge, which is a terrible name. Incomplete me, you incompletable you. So, that brings us to number three. Mad Max. Go and listen to my review of Mad Max. Mad Max is the third best game of the decade. That's all I gotta say. Absolutely. Nothing. The movies are not as good as the game Mad Max. In fact, all of the movies, even Thunderdome, which is my favorite, the poppy clips for the poppy clisms. The high scrapers. And I've got two men with a gut full of fear. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Yeah. 
You know him, you love him, he's Blaster! And then, fresh from the wasteland, he's bald, he's bald, he's beautiful! He's the, the man with no name! The game Mad Max, which is loosely based around the universe in the fourth film, is better than all four of the of the movies, in my opinion. God damn, certainly better than the first one. Do not go see the first fucking Mad Max. It is an unbelievable, unbearable piece of nasty trash, likes of which you've never even contemplated seeing outside of MST3K. Then it doesn't seem fair that this is this high up but it was such a magnificent game. Number two the second best game of the decade for Linux in my opinion is Starbound where we ran a server for it for a while and so I guess there is some sentimental attachment to that but it's Starbound with Fracken Universe and all the Fracken mods because Vanilla Starbound was fantastic. Starbound with Fracken Universe inexpressibly good and is the second best game that I think that I've played on Linux now that leads us to we have two more games and this was a hard choice because one has to live, one has to die that's how you have to think about these sorts of things when you're writing out these lists I went through half a legal pad, by the way. I had, you have to copy every list like 15 fucking times. No simpler way of doing it. That this game is not my game of the decade is probably only due to it being supplanted by another game that's our game of the decade for Linux Saints Row 4 is our number one it's not our game of the decade it is just underneath our game of the decade Saints Row 4 if you've never played any other Saints Row games that's fine go buy Saints Row 4 and buy all of the DLCs for it Imagine right now they're probably still on sale. My relationship with Saints Row 4 well the less said about this the better. The less said about the better because every aspect of Saints Row 4 is something you don't want to have spoiled for you. And it's something that still holds up to this day because I know I played it already again this year. Saints Row 4 is only Oh, what's the word? Is only diminished by the sadness that, in my opinion, and I'm sorry, I know I try to keep this free of, you know, blah. But once you unlock president mode, it's so much sadder considering what's happened these last four years with American politics. But never mind that. Are you ready for Best Linux Games Podcast? Is pleased to announce that the best game available for Linux of the decade. Of the decade. 
the best game of the decade that you can run on Linux. Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain And with that I'm not going to tell you a fucking thing about Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain Hopefully those of you who hate the game just by reputation enough will take my word for it Go back and listen to our review of it from last year There is no other game that I have enjoyed as much as Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain. And I hated Hideo Kojima after Snake Eater. I hated him. And said I would never play any other Metal Gear games. And I basically kept to my promise. Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain after like a decade of hating Hideo Kojima made me completely forgive him. He redeemed himself in my eyes and it is probably the best game that you can play on Linux. And if it's not then fuck you Mr. Rabbit those are our games of the decade. Have a happy and a healthy new year. Be safe out there. And uh, as always, Ivor, before you uh, pack your shit and hit the bricks, what do you... Oh, you have nothing to say? Alright. That's it. That's our show. I will catch you next year, next Friday, as ever. Cheers, and thank you so much to everyone, all of our listeners. It's sad that we have to mourn the loss of so many friends. Um, free like new stupid end user other assholes who just couldn't handle talking to somebody sucks um, snail cannon we lost him this year uh, but we have many more new friends and all are welcome uh, yeah and like I said none of this is going to be on in the show notes so there you go Maybe next year we'll have a fixed website and uh, 10 years, man. 10 years. Can you believe it? We haven't been on, we haven't been doing the show for 10 years. We've been doing it for five years and change ish. We started in 2014. But yeah, no, it is a comfort to have um, met so many cool people to the show, so should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind should old acquaintance be forgot and days of old lang syne happy new year everybody, happy decade out with the old and with the new four or five times a good idea four or five times hi there there is delight in doing things right four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. 
I like you. We like to see. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada yee. Four or five times. Matt Damon. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The internet is for poor. The internet is for poor. What are you doing? Why? Hey, I think this is porn. Porn, porn, porn. A good idea. Tracky. Oh, hello, kid monster. You are ruining my song. Oh, me sorry. Me no mean to. Well, if you wouldn't mind please being quiet for a minute so I can finish. Okie dokie. Good. I'm glad we have this new technology. Poor porn. Don't keep fucking saying that to me. For porn. Oh, sorry. From your own desktop. For. You can research, browse, and shop. Until you've had enough and you're ready to stop. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Internet is for poor. The internet is for poor. Trendy. A good idea. Hugging me, horn to porn, porn, porn. That's gross. That is a fact. I like you. I'll get you a drink. Oh, really? You're a pervert. Normal people don't sit at home and look at porn on the internet. Oh? What? You have no idea. Ready, normal people? Ready. Good evening, pricks! <laughs> internet is horrible. Sorry, Kate. The internet is horrible. I masturbate. All these guys unzip their flies for porn. Porn. The internet is not for Flames, flames, flames on the side of my face. Ew! The internet is for porn. A good idea. The internet is for porn. I hate porn. Grab your dick and double click for porn, porn, porn. I hate porn. And wipe your hands. If I see a smudge, I will have you destroyed. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. Hello, great.
justice.